raised a fool. Listen to Adrian Rogers. You might as well face it, folks. Children can choose to go the wrong way if they want to, no matter how good you are. Your goal is that you be a godly parent. Begin early, continue wisely, and pray faithfully for the children that God has given you. Welcome to Love Worth Finding, featuring the profound truth simply stated by Adrian Rogers. All throughout the book of Proverbs, there's a strong emphasis on godly parenting and the great responsibility that comes with raising children. It can be quite daunting, but God has equipped us with clear instructions on how to do that. So if you have your Bible handy, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 22, starting in verse 1. With part two of Your Child, Wise or Otherwise, here again is Adrian Rogers. I want you to notice uh, the marks of what I call the naive, the gullible, the open-minded teenager that the Bible calls the simple. First of all, notice in verse 22 that he loves simplicity. He likes his lifestyle. These are the happy-go-lucky years, and he loves it. He does not want any restrictions put on him of any kind, whatever. He likes a free and an open style. And who could blame him if he's not taught differently? He loves simplicity. He lacks understanding. He is led easily, and he is living in danger. Oh, what a dangerous time this is. Look in, in uh, chapter 22 and verse 3. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. A prudent man, that is a wise man, foreseeth the evil. The word evil here means danger, problems. And hideth himself, that is, he takes cover. But the simple pass on and are punished. Your teenager does not have the ability, unless you teach it to him, to see the danger that's down the road. He thinks he's invincible. He doesn't understand the danger that's out there. A prudent man foresees the evil. He hides himself, but not the simpleton. He just doesn't understand. He's never really seen the problems that are out there. Now, we move from being a simpleton, a gullible, easily led teenager, to step number two. He then becomes, if he's not dealt with, a smart aleck. The Bible calls him a scorner, a scorner. In school, they call him a smart aleck. In business, he's called a cynic. In the university, he's called a mocker or a scoffer, but he's the same guy with different names. Now, let me tell you about this man. According to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 22, again, he delights in his scorning. But not only does he delight in his scorning, he defies instruction. You can't tell him anything. He already knows it all. Look, if you will, in Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. You can't tell a smart aleck anything. He already knows everything. Not only does he delight in his scorning, not only does he defy instructions, but Thirdly, he despises the good and the godly. Chapter 15 and verse 12, look at it. A fool despiseth his father's instruction. It's bad enough that he delights in his scorning. It's bad enough that he defies instruction. 
But actually, he despises the one who will tell him. Rebuke him, and he will insult you. Look in chapter 9 and verses 7 and 8. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Not only does he despise the good and the godly, but therefore he is destined for destruction and damnation. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 1. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Well, what is the result of not hearing rebuke? Going down to verse 13. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. That's it. Let me tell you the condition of the fool. That's the reason there's no hope for him. These other two, they love their scorning. They delight in their simplicity. But now I want you to look in chapter 1, verse 22 about the fool. The Bible says the fool hates knowledge. The other two are known by what they love, even when they love the wrong thing. But the fool is known not by what he loves, but by what he hates. He literally hates knowledge. And so, the very first thing I want you to see about the fool is that he rejects wisdom. He just rejects it. Uh, another good verse that proves that is chapter 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They just simply despise it. They don't want it. And so, not only does he uh, reject wisdom, but to make matters worse, he ridicules righteousness. I mean, he, he makes a light of things that are holy. Look, if you will, in chapter 14 and verse 9. And many of you who have fools can identify with this chapter. Fools make a mock at sin. They make a mock at sin. Now, God has given you the book of Proverbs, ladies and gentlemen. And this book of Proverbs is a book that every parent, and especially fathers, ought to master. Make it your purpose to read some from the book of Proverbs weekly, if not daily. Make it your purpose to sit down and explain this book to your child while he is still a simple one and has not become a smart aleck and has not become a scorner. Now, let me give you some principles here. Number one, start early. Look in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, and let's look in the first four verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. That's what your son needs. To perceive the words of understanding. That's what he needs. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Wouldn't you like your son to know that? Well, look. To give subtlety to the simple, and to the young man knowledge and discretion. Now, notice it says to the young man. To the young man. Many have started about 180 pounds and 16 years too late. To the young man, continue, dear friend, wisely. Now, let me tell you about a simpleton. He learns by example. Look in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 25. Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. Now, that's a very, very important principle. You need to see if your child is a simpleton, that he sees with his eyes how sin is punished. One of the worst things that could happen to a child, a teenager, is to grow up in what we call a permissive society. And that's the reason our children have such a poor chance today, because they do not see sin punished. 
They see people living high, wide, and handsome. They see people selling dope, arrested one day, and out on the street the next day. What does that say to them? Listen to this verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 11, "...because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil." The worst thing that could happen to any generation is for people to live where they don't see sin swiftly punished. The Bible says you smite the scorner, the simple will learn. I remember hearing a story about a lady who sent her son to school and sent a note with him and said, now Johnny's a nervous boy, and if he misbehaves in school, you just slap the boy next to him and Johnny will straighten up. <laughs> well, there's a smidgen of truth in that. Dear friend, listen, what I'm trying to say is this, that when somebody sees somebody else punished, he learns. Some time ago I was listening to television, the evening news, and there was a man, a Judge Gunther, from Sacramento, California, and he talked about how he was dealing with teenage drunken drivers, DUIs, driving under the influence. And this judge had some unusual sentences. Among things he would do, he would take these teenagers down and make them spend a few hours in the drunk tank. Other things that he would do, he would make them visit the hospital, the ward where the terminally ill were there because of alcohol problems. He also made them spend some hours in the emergency rooms late Saturday night and to see people who'd come in after they'd been sliced up in accidents and so forth. Another thing he would do, he made them visit the coroner's office and look at the bodies of people whose lives had been snuffed out through drunken driving. I was so impressed with that that I, I wrote Judge Gunther and he and I carried on some correspondence. And I said, I don't know whether you're a Christian or not, or whether you understand the Bible or not, but what you are doing is biblical, absolutely biblical. I said, so many teenagers do not understand the consequences. They see these great glowing ads, all of the fun, the campfire, the buddies, the playing volleyball on the beach and all of that, and the beer, and they're told beer belongs, and it does, but in the gutter and the sewer, they never see the other part. And uh, Judge Gunther had these teenagers to write some essays, and he sent some of them to me. And I just want to skip on down. One said, Mr. Bowers, open the door. I could see about 20 to 30 bodies covered under the white linen. Then he guided me to one particular body that was set in the center of the room. He uncovered the body. I saw this lifeless body that was once a living person less than 24 hours earlier. Now this is a teenager writing. The face of the body was very disturbing. His eyes were blackened all the way around. His head shaven with staples replacing the stitches that closed incisions. This was a person who was killed as a result of beer, drinking, and driving. And, and these teenagers had their eyes open. Do you know, listen, what you ought to do, Dad? You ought to put your son in the car and take him down to the emergency room some Saturday night and just sit there with him. Let him see what comes in. You ought to take your son and drive through the skid row and let him see that drunk, that man of distinction, in the gutter, covered with flies and vomit. Take him to the psychiatric center and let him see that drug addict with his sunken chest and hollowed eyes and scrambled eggs for brains. Let him see that. Take him down to the courtroom. Take him down to the jail where they don't have any toilet lid on the toilet. 
They don't have a place to lie down. Let him see that. They don't understand. The Bible says, smite a scorner and the simple will learn. My dear friend, you began early with him, and you let him see what this society has so well covered up with its situational comedies. He laughs at those kind of things. And what a person laughs at, he never again takes seriously, unless you show him the other side, the serious side of sin. Now let me tell you what else you ought to do if you've got a, a naive teenager. You guard his company as best you can. You guard his company. Look, if you will, in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. This is one of the greatest responsibilities that you have as a parent. The Bible says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You see to it that your child walks with wise men. Now, he's open. Peer pressure can be bad or good. Peer pressure is not necessarily bad. It just depends on who the peers are and what the pressure is. Use peer pressure to your advantage. Get the best friends for his friends. Make certain that he's in a Sunday school class. Make certain that he is in a Christian environment as best you can because a companion of fools will be destroyed. He's destined for divine destruction if he runs with fools. One of the great joys of our home is that we try to have into our home wise people and good people. I don't mean just necessarily big shots, but I'm talking about good people, wise people. And when we have a meal in our house, we don't say to the kids, and did not say to the kids, now Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so are coming on, so you kids stay out of the way. Oh no. We say, kids, you sit at the table. And you stay here for the conversation. And you enter into the conversation. And let them learn and let them imbibe and let them listen. Let me show you another scripture here now. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 10. Look at it. Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. I'm talking about guarding the company of your teenager. You know what you ought to do? You ought to say that our home is headquarters for teenagers, if you have one. Put food in the refrigerator. Stock it with the right kind of beverages. Have a playroom. Buy a television. Buy a table tennis uh, table. Monitor the television. Get some good movies or films. And let them sit around on the furniture. You say, they'll ruin my furniture. Praise God, let them ruin it. You say, well, they, they step on my flowers. Who cares? Let your home be the happiest, most fun place around. And let him bring his friends there. They're looking for a place to hang out. Let them hang out at your place. And then watch. And if one of those kids is a scorner, tell him, there's the sidewalk. Get on it. Cast him out. Should a scorner be expelled from school? Absolutely. Should a child who disrupts a Sunday school class continually and will not listen be put out of that class? Beyond any doubt. Put him out. Don't let him ruin the class. Don't let him disturb the school. Don't let him lead your child astray. The Bible says, cast out the scorner. You say, that's hard. It doesn't say cast him off. It says cast him out. You pray for him. You love him. But don't you let him corrupt your son and your daughter if you can help it. Your child has a plastic mentality, and those scorners and those smart alecks will ruin your children. Now, we've talked about how to deal with the simple. 
How do you deal with a scorner? You say, Pastor, my child is a scorner. Well, I want you to remember this, that lecturing a scorner is not going to do you much good. Preaching to him or getting him to listen to one of Dr. Rogers' tapes isn't going to do very much good. Listen to Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Look in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 12. A scorner loveth not the one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. He doesn't say, Here I am, teach me. Now, there comes a time when you need to understand that you're not going to drill something into his head. This is not cowardice and it is not a compromise, but it is wisdom. What you need to do if your child has become a scorner is you need to back off and come another way. You need to repent before God of your failure, ask God to have mercy upon you, get your life so filled with the love of the Lord Jesus that He will see by your lifestyle and your love a quality of life that is real because He probably became a scorner and a cynic because of the way that you've been living. Most of the time a delinquent is a child trying to act like his parents. Get your heart right with God and then begin to love Him, not help Him in His sin, but love Him and wait for the right time. Chapter 15, verse 23, look at it. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Now, the Bible says earlier in this chapter, don't rebuke him, but uh, speak a word in due season, and ask God to open his heart, and then at that right time you hear. But do not shield him from the punishment. Chapter 19 and verse 25, Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. You say, will it do any good to smite him? It may, but it will certainly help everybody else. And the blow that strikes one will strike two, and the simple will beware. And if he doesn't learn from his punishment, others will. The Bible says, them that sin rebuke before all, that others may also fear. Now, uh, there may be a time indeed when you have to cast him out. You say, Pastor, what about a fool? What should you do with a fool? Pray and ask God for mercy if you've raised a fool. If you've started so late that he stepped over the deadline, maybe perchance God will open his heart. I want to say one final thing very briefly. I said start early, continue wisely, and last of all, pray continually. Go back to our text now, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, and then look in verse 23. God says, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. Here are three things that the simple needs to learn. Number one, repentance, turn you. Number two, revelation, I will pour out my spirit unto you. Number three, uh, the reliability of the word, I will make known my words unto you. That's what your child needs, the repentance of the sinner, the revelation of the Spirit, and the reliability of the Scripture. That's what he needs. Now, you can't make it happen. And in all of your teaching, and all of your preaching, listen to me, you can't make it happen. There's some of you today who would say, Pastor, my heart is breaking because I started too late. I started too late. Well, if you did, ask God to restore the years the locusts have eaten. But others of you have hearts that are breaking 
Because you say, Pastor, I know I wasn't perfect, but I did the best I know how, and my child has gone wrong. I mean, I started early. I had him in church. I taught the Word of God. I lived right, and my child has gone wrong. Friend, let me tell you something. God knows exactly how you feel because God had two children in a garden, and they did wrong. They left him. God taught them. God loved them. God gave them a good environment. God met their needs. God clearly explained to them what was right and wrong and what the consequences were, and made certain they understood. And yet an evil influence came into that garden, and they, by their own choice, chose against their Father in heaven and went the wrong way. Now, were you going to blame that on God? You might as well face it, folks. Children can choose to go the wrong way if they want to, no matter how good you are and no matter how much you do. And God hurts when you hurt over your children. And God loves your children as you love them, but God will not force the control center on your children and absolutely force your children to do right. He won't do it, and you can't do it. You need to learn the difference between a desire and a goal. A goal is something you can control. You cannot control your children. You have a desire for your children, but you can have a goal for yourself. You know what your goal is? Your desire for your children is that they be godly children. Your goal is that you be a godly parent. Your goal is that you be a godly parent and pray that God will help you to use all of the wisdom in this book not to raise a fool, but have a wise son and a wise daughter. Begin early, continue wisely, and pray faithfully for the children that God has given you. You know, at Love Worth Finding, one of our great honors is to come alongside you and pray with you and for you. And maybe as you've listened to this message today, there is something that's really weighing on your heart. Go to our website homepage and scroll down to our prayer wall. There you'll find the option to either submit a prayer request or pray for others or do both. This resource is one of our favorite ways to keep the ministry and the community praying continually for one another's needs. So go there today, lwf.org forward slash radio, and scroll down to our prayer wall. Now, if you'd like to order a copy of this message in its entirety, both Friday's and today's broadcast, you can call us at one eight seven seven love god and mention the title, Your Child, Wise or Otherwise. This message is also part of a nine-message series titled, A Future for the Family. To order that, call 877-LOVE-GOD, or you can order online at lwf.org forward slash radio. Well, that's our time together today. Thank you for studying in God's Word with us. Remember, your desire for your children is that they be godly, right? Your goal is that you be a godly parent. Begin early, continue wisely, and pray faithfully. Join us tomorrow for more from Adrian Rogers right here on Love Worth Finding. 
We loved reading this direct message from a listener who shared, my brother gave his life to Jesus thanks to the messages of Adrian Rogers. We are praying that God prospers you and that his hand will guide you. Well, at Love Worth Finding, we are honored to be able to share these timeless teachings and exciting new resources to help you flourish in your faith. And to thank you for your support this month, we'd love to send you our Marriage and Family Booklet Collection. This bundle features five powerful booklets that deal with marriage and family matters from a godly perspective so that you and your house may serve the Lord. Request this resource when you call with a gift at 1-877-LOVE-GOD, 1-877-568-3463, or give online at lwf.org forward slash radio. And thanks for your generous support of Love Worth Finding.